What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. friends and welcome back to another episode of the podcast to be named later i am not chris willis we don't sound all that similar and for those of you that have been doing the fake impressions of the intro to this podcast you'll be spoiled today because my name is brad roland i am joined on this fine wednesday evening by stephen tolbert stephen what's going on what's up brad did you and Scott get one of those? Did, did somebody do you and Scott yet? I haven't <laughs> I, seen that yet. I have not seen that. If it exists, I'd love to see it. Um, and for those of you that might have missed this, uh, there was a, a great imitation of Chris and Steven uh, that made the rounds on the Twitter machine last week. But uh, Chris and I don't sound alike. So that, that, that's unfortunate. But I'm filling in. Sean is also out of pocket. So we haven't had a couple of I haven't had a show since Sunday, which is a little bit strange. But uh, I'm happy to be talking to you on this fine Wednesday, Steven. Yeah, buddy. That was a fun game we just watched. Obviously, your best bud, Charlie Morton, shoved <laughs> for seven innings. I know we're going to talk about it here in a second. But, yeah, it's been a, a fun stretch of games. You know, for so long, the offense was carrying the pitching, um, and the Braves were having to win games kind of 8-6. And, you know, it, it was it's kind of been nice this series, honestly, with the offense. Obviously, tonight's game, notwithstanding, the offense, you know, probably has been a step below where it was in, in a lot of June and July. And, you know, the pitching has really stepped up and, and carried its weight. So it's it's nice to see the kind of the whole team contribute uh, the way it has. And it's obviously fun to take two from the Mets anytime you can. Yeah, contrary to, to popular belief, the Braves cannot score 10 runs every single night. They try to. They do serious damage. They lead the league in like everything. Exit velocity. Uh, I saw some crazy exit velocity numbers this week that have been making the rounds and it's been wild. But yeah, they, they pitched very well especially the last two nights in the midst of a series victory, another one over the New York Mets. And I should say at the top of the show, the Braves are now 82 and 44. They have clinched a winning season. If you were worried about that Uh, tonight was the official uh, sign off on that. They've won 10 out of the last 13 and the division lead is back to 13 and a half games. As of tonight, a pretty solid place to be we've uh i'm sure we've all talked about that ad nauseum but it really is kind of uh, wild just take a step back and just say hey they're up 13 and a half games 
in late August and, uh, you know, 82 and 44, they are uh, in, a, in a smooth sailing spot. I have still, I'm sure you've heard at some point, Stephen, I, I refuse to say the division is over because I just won't do it, but uh, they're, they're in a pretty good spot at this point. Yeah. Nobody wants to be Sal from last year, right? Correct. Where you declare a division's over, you know, he did it in May, which was his own dumb fault, but yeah, you know, even, I think even the most pessimistic of Braves fans who have lived through, or just Atlanta sports fans who have lived through some of the most god awful collapses. I think even <laughs> those people are looking at the standings like, yeah, it's looking pretty good. Like I feel pretty like it, you know we're we're approaching twenty eight to three level collapse. You know if they didn't win the division at this point, now it could happen. Weirder things have happened, but yeah, I mean thirteen and a half games. We're almost to September. That would be. It, it would be an all-timer if they didn't win this division. So, um, and as good as they're playing, as much talent as they have, it's t- it's tough to see. Now, you know, how much you care about the – and this is actually an interesting question for you, Brad. This is not on our outline, but I was thinking about this right before we press record. How much do you care about the number one overall seed? Um, I think the answer to that is I do care about it. I've seen this debate, too, around about – you know, the matchup versus home field in the NLCS uh, basically is the debate is, I guess that's what I've seen. Like right. I, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to get it. I think it's helpful. Um, you can also overstate how much one home game is worth in a series, especially because there's no guarantee that you would see the Dodgers who are the competition for that. Um, either team could lose as we saw a year ago, the Braves lost before that. Um, so it's, it's, possible but I, I all things equal i think you still have to want it i just don't think it's like a 10 out of 10 if that makes sense i think you know getting one of the top two seeds is very important and that seems to be a virtual lock at this point it's not over by any means but i i, I care more about that than i do about the number one overall seed but i mean i'd rather have it than not and i think it's i think people are probably outsmarting themselves if they're thinking that they'd rather not because of the matchup, because look, it's a, it's a short baseball series. Uh, there's enough variance in, in there for everybody. I'd rather have home field in the uh, second series. Yeah, it is. You know, baseball is a, is a much different animal than say basketball or football where home field or home court has plays a much bigger role in those sports. Yes. Um, I, I agree with you. I think the top being a top two seed is way more important than being the top one seed. I do understand the argument that, you know, in 2021, if the Braves had to fly to L.A. for those first two games, um, you know, do they win that series? You know, they obviously ended up walking walking on the Dodgers off both games one and two because they were at home. And, you know, it was a fluke thing that they were at home. The Braves the Braves won like 88 games that year. The Dodgers won like 103. And, and somehow, you know, the rules were still kind of weird at that point. The Braves got home field advantage. But, yeah, I – I I think the top two seeds is way more important. And if you look at those numbers plus the division numbers, you know, the Braves are honestly just playing for health and trying to get everybody going, you know, going into October at this point. There's not a ton in terms of the standings, unless you really, really care about that number one overall seed and having home field against the Dodgers if both teams get through, which, like you said, is no guarantee. Then yeah, it there's it's a it's a lot of um, games like tonight where it feels more like a, a party atmosphere than anything else. 
Yeah, just for some context to what you said there, uh, by the way, it was an 18-game gap. The Dodgers won 106 games in wow. 2021. Yeah. And that was, uh, if, you were Do- if you were a Dodgers fan, that has to make you just throw up in your mouth a little bit. That can, that you was, uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, I can. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an Atlanta sports fan, Steve. Um, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, I mean, that's it was that's wild in itself. But um, also, you know, the division leads 13 and a half games right now. The lead on the number three seed is 12 and a half games. Like yeah. it's it's the Braves uh, and they have a five game lead right now as we speak over the Dodgers as of Wednesday night and that's twelve and a half over Milwaukee so it's yeah. almost as big as the division lead so that kind of tells you again not try, not trying to overstate it but it is a pretty safe assumption um, at this point that there'll be a top two seed so um, I get it you don't want to press the gas too hard and you know I know Scott and I have argued for this I think you guys have a little bit as well. I think it would be wise for them to maybe not take it easy in full, but um, this has been a team that's been pedal to the metal. Like guys don't really take days off um, all that stuff. I think it would be uh, useful to kind of pedal off a little bit down the stretch. And uh, if they have this kind of setup you know, two, three weeks from now, when it's more academic, then uh, it's easier to do that. Yeah. It's just, you know, Brian, that's always, you know, we can go back <laughs> to 2000, you know, I remember having this conversation you know, oh, every Twitter year and stuff in 2018, like back, yep. like, you know, he just doesn't, that's not his bag. Like, you know, I don't know if it was a Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson thing, you know, Chipper will say it's been passed down, but I don't remember Chipper playing, you know, he got hurt a little bit more, but even guys like that, I don't remember them playing 162 the way kind of the, the current Braves do, but yeah, I, I wouldn't hold my breath, I guess is the way I would say it. Cause it, I mean, they never do it. And I don't agree. I, I'm with you. Like I, I'm a big rest guy. I know in the NBA, it's a, it's a really big deal about load management and resting guys for the postseason. And, and obviously the NBA postseason is a, is a much longer event than majors, but yeah, I, I, I wish they would let some guys take some games off or even a couple of innings off at the end of some of these blowouts um, would be sufficient, but yeah, it's, it's an organizational philosophy thing. And, yeah, I don't know if it's changing anytime soon. It probably is not. But yeah, Ronnie, uh, Matt Olson, and Austin Riley are all in the top five in games played in the National League right now. Um, which, you know, I get it, but it is what it is. Um, okay, let us talk about the Mets series a little bit more in specifics because I know we haven't had hammers the last couple of days either. The one negative game, which I guess we'll start with because it was chronologically the the case, was Monday. They gave up 10 runs. Alan Wynes was not uh, quite as sharp in his third start. Um, what did you make of of his performance? Because, you know, there's all this discussion. I know you wrote about it this week. We'll talk about this as well, about kind of the fifth starter spot, the Chirinos IL stint, which Scott called on Sunday night on the podcast. Um, all that said, like, why not just wasn't fantastic? And, uh, you know, that, court, that sort of, I guess, reignited the discussion about Soroka and all that stuff, too. So what did you make of the way he pitched and kind of what that tells us? Yeah, it's been they have gone the full merry-go-round on this fifth starter spot all year, honestly. I mean, because Max and, and Kyle have been hurt all year, you know, they've had to, they've had to really play musical chairs with the last two rotation spots since really May. And I still don't think they found what they're looking for. I mean, honestly, they're just trying to get through innings. You don't ever use your fifth starter in the postseason, which is probably what matters most in this conversation. Like whoever this guy is, who ends up pitching on these games is not going to play any role in October. So, you know, I see people like losing their mind about this stuff sometimes. And I'm like, you know, we, I get it. And there's a, there's an intellectual conversation to be had about it. And which is why I wrote about it, but like there shouldn't be an emotional conversation about it. And that's where I guess I draw the distinction is, you know, this, this, whoever fills this spot will not be on the postseason roster. That's almost a thousand percent, 
guaranteed. So, yeah, you know, I'm not a big Winans guy. You know, I I I looked at his numbers in the minors. And I, I I see a lot of I saw a lot of stuff that you know doesn't seem like it's sustainable once you get to the majors. Now he he looked really good against the Mets the first time around. It's also really tough to to face the same lineup twice in a row, even a lineup that's not great. Um, but you know, um, the Mets still have some decent hitters and, you know, another thing that drives me crazy is, is letting these fringe guys, these fifth starter types go as deep into the third time through the order as, as they usually let them do, you know, with Chirinos, if you look at his numbers, like Chirinos would usually have pretty solid first four innings. And then the fifth and sixth, they would let him out there too long things get away. That's kind of what happened with Winans in this game. You know, I, I understand you got a big lead. The bullpen's been used a lot. So you're trying to stretch innings as whenever you can. And that almost certainly is the reason for it, but yeah, I, you know, I, it's, a, he's a fifth, sixth starter type. And I hopefully same with Trinos, same with Dylan Dodd or Schuster or whoever they put, you know, Colby Allard, even Smith Shaver at this point, like, that's all they are. And, you know, Smith Sharver's obviously got potential to be more than that, but I just, I'd, I would tell people not to get, there's interesting conversation to be had about it, but there shouldn't be any like anger or deep emotional feelings about who this guy is and how, how well he does, because it's really going to have no bearing on what happens with the Braves in October. So, and that's really all that matters at this point. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And look, a lot of organizations would like to have someone like Alan Winans, like he would help a lot of teams. Right. But he, I tend to agree with you. Like, I think he's a back end guy at, if that, and you know, it's, it's been a great story this year and he looked good in the first two starts. He was, this is a harsh reality check. I think he's better than he was on Monday and not as good as he was in the first two starts is what I would say. That's a very bland answer. I understand, but that's kind of where I am right now. And you know, he, he allowed, he allowed the last five guys to reach, like you said, like kind of let him kind of let him go a little bit too long. Probably um, there was a, uh, almost an immediate roster move too. They brought up, they brought up Schuster, which I think people were not surprised by, but maybe perplexed by. And it's because they don't need a fifth starter. So they're basically just putting Schuster in the bullpen for like long relief, just depth and uh, workload stuff. You know, McHugh threw three and a third on Monday and that probably put him down for a little bit. So having another arm, like I don't think Schuster being called up means anything about the rotation. It's just that they, they know that he could throw some innings if they had to have somebody for some innings. Yeah. And you always want a long guy in case your starter gets, you know, it's 12 to two in the fourth inning and you just need somebody to cover innings. You don't kill your whole bullpen. So yeah, that's all it is. I, I, I would be stunned if Schuster, I think he's going to get the Charlie Culberson treatment. I'd be stunned <laughs> if he ever sees the field, honestly. Yeah. He's only there for exactly why you said what you just said Uh situation where they just have to have mop up duty, either up, up eight or down eight or something weird or injury or something like that. Um, We'll come back to Ozuna because he has been out of his mind. He had two home runs on Monday. Um, I will say it was nice to see Colin Q for a well because he's not been very good recently, which we talked about a lot on the podcast. But that was just one one bright spot along with Ozuna in the game on Monday. Um, the other two games were more fun, so we'll focus on those now. Um, it's time for some Ozuna talk. I know I've talked about him a little bit on the main show. I know you guys have as well, but he is truly out of his mind. That continued... I just said he had two home runs on Monday. Tuesday, he hit another home run. In fact, all three runs that were scored by the Braves on Tuesday came from home runs from Rosario, who's also been quite good, and Ozuna. And this includes tonight now. Uh, Ozuna in the last 11 games has five home runs and seven doubles. Is now up to 28 home runs for the season. He has a 125 WRC+. plus which is just ridiculous when you consider where he was in like the middle of May. Like he had a brutal 
people have almost forgotten how bad he was early in the season, um, slugging 519. Like, it is pretty crazy to have him do this um, for the full season, again, given how bad he was this year. And also, as a reminder, he was quite bad at the plate the last two full seasons before this. So uh, they, you know, I guess to the Braves' credit, they never, I'm sure they wavered some, but they never moved on when I know I definitely called for them to move on multiple times. They never did that. And it's working out for them because he has been just hitting the cover off the ball. Yeah. You know, it's always a nuanced conversation with Marcel for (laughs) obvious, obvious reasons. And my thing from the beginning has always been, I'm going to focus on the baseball because I'm not, I don't know enough of the facts. I'm, I'm not smart enough to go through all the, you know, the legal stuff that he's gone through and, and give you a really, you know, thoughtful answer on all that stuff. I'm just, that's not what I'm able to do. So I've always just tried to stick to the baseball and from a baseball perspective, he spent the last two and a half years being essentially the worst player in the league. And, and that's why I spent, and you did as well. And a lot of us did spent a good portion of the last two and a half years asking for him to be cut and be released because he on the field, just on the field, just on the merits of baseball, he wasn't worth, forget his salary. He wasn't worth his roster spot. And so what he's done since May has really been, I don't know if remarkable is the right word because we've seen it. We've seen him do it before, but it just looked like that guy was so far gone that I don't, I I never thought we'd see this level of hitter again. I thought 2020 was a mirage and an outlier and, and we would really, you know, he would be a shell of himself and he's got a 150 WRC plus in the second half. I mean, he's, he is, he has been absurd and you're right. I mean, he deserves to be praised for how well he's playing. I get it. I get people don't want to say good things about him. I get, you know, the Jerry Blevin stuff today about not, you know, having a hard time rooting for him. And listen, I didn't have any problems with what with, with Jerry Blevin said. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there that probably have a hard time rooting for Marcel yep. for obvious reasons. But, you know, on the baseball side of it, he's been unbelievable. And he has been a monster in these last, you know, two weeks where a lot of, the, you know, a lot Olsen's slowed down a little bit. You know, Ozzy's been hurt. Um, you know, Arcia's went through a slump. Michael went through a slump. You know, the the offense isn't clicking on all cylinders like it was, you know, two weeks ago. And Marcel and Rosario are really carrying the lineup right now. And it's been huge. And was again tonight, you know, he had, I think he drove in four of the seven runs or five of the seven runs, something like that. So, yeah, he's been unbelievable. And he deserves the credit for it. Listen, we talked bad about him when he wasn't hitting. And so when he is hitting, he needs to, you know, he's, he deserves the the credit for that. And he has been a monster. Yeah. Last 26 games. So it's an arbitrary endpoint for sure. But, you know, back to late July, he has 10 home runs, 10 doubles and an OPS over 1200 for almost, yeah. um, almost a month. Like that is uh elite level play. And look, he was arguably the best hitter in the league in 2020 in a small sample size. So we've seen him have these, these highs of highs, but like it's, it, it's not unprecedented probably, but it's, it's close to have a guy be as bad as he was for two and a half years and then be as good as he has been now for, I don't know, three, at least three months. Um, and especially the last month plus. So yeah, there is nuance there for sure, but he has helped them quite a bit. And uh, that is worth pointing out Rosario too. Like Rosario is not uh, the same sort of, you know, off field controversy, but he had been pretty bad at times last year. He had that famously lost season where he couldn't see and all that stuff. And now, he has four home runs in the last seven or eight games, and his WRC plus for the season is one eleven. 
And that's not like incredible for a guy who's not a great defender in left field, but that is all they need is the way that I, I keep putting this. That's all I need from Eddie Rosario is to be a pretty good hitter. And that's what he's been. Yeah. Player of the week uh, last week and had that huge series against uh, the Giants. It seems like if he sees a team from the NL West, he becomes Babe Ruth. You know, he's just been, uh, he's been incredible. <laughs> and yeah. These 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 two have been in sync all year, which has been weird. Like I, I don't, it's like they, if if Rosario is hitting, that Azuna is hitting, and if one's not, the other one's not. It's been very strange. I don't know why that's been the case, but when they're both going the way they are, it is unbelievable to watch. And this lineup becomes, I mean, it's already impossible to pitch to. But when you have both of those guys hitting, then you're just, I mean, you're you have no chance because that's like five six runs a night. Um, with those guys batting a lot of times like fifth or sixth or sixth or seventh in the order. Um, it's just incredible depth. So yeah, credit to Rosario. The defense hasn't been as bad as it's been in years past. Like he's been a passable player out there. Um, after a really rough 2022, he got off to a rough start. Yeah. When he's on, it's fun to watch. It is. He is. Uh, yeah, it's been when he's dialed in, he's, he's really dialed in most of the time. So from here, we could talk about the game on Wednesday. It was a much more uh, robust game in a lot of ways. It was more of a smooth sailing contest, we can say. Um, oh, I, I should at least acknowledge that Bryce Lauder pitched well on Tuesday. Um, he wasn't perfect. There were some trouble spots. He did walk three guys, but I thought he was pretty good on Tuesday. And uh, good to see him bouncing back. You know, Morton's been even better and it's kind of funny like they seem to wax and wane almost in the same way as Rosario and Ozuna but I thought Elder was uh, was notably solid and we should at least say uh to be fair the Mets offense is not good um but both Elder and Morton benefited from that but both pitched well obviously Morton was better but I thought it was good uh, to see Elder kind of you know navigate some stuff it wasn't perfect but was uh, very solid and the Pirates aren't good either but you know they have no. they struggled there you know there's still big league hitters Alonzo can hit Lindor can hit McNeil Vogelback, I mean, they still got guys who can make you pay if you leave a bunch of stuff in the middle of the plate, which is what happened with Winans in the first game. So, yeah, good for Elder. You know, the Braves, it's more important that Morton did what he did because Morton's actually going to – Elder might have a role in the postseason. I'm, that's a whole conversation that we need to have at we, some we, point. We, we will see at some point, and it might yeah. have a lot to do with Kyle Wright, honestly. Yeah. Um, so we'll see about that as he rehabs this week. But, yeah, uh, yeah I think I think Morton uh, – I think this, this was an unpopular opinion maybe a couple of months ago when Elder was still rock, rocking and rolling. But I think if if all stays the same, uh, there is there is no way that um, in particular Bryce Sticker is going to give Bryce Elder a, a playoff start ahead of Charlie Morton. That's not happening. So uh, the fourth spot is uh, always interesting to navigate between right and maybe even bullpen games because the playoffs are weird. Yeah. Yeah. Morton has. Morton's going to pitch in the postseason, like they're just full stop. Like Bar- you know. barring injury, yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, and El- I, I, I would not say the same about Elder because he doesn't, he just doesn't have the track record. And even if Elder finishes the year with a, you know, a three-two ERA or whatever he's at, you know, track record matters so much more in in terms of trust. And to get a postseason start is a high bar to clear. And so what Morton does is infinitely more important for the Braves in terms of their ultimate goals of the season than what Elder does. But yes, it is very important for Elder to show, and not just for this year, but for next year, you know, where the Braves still have some rotation questions for the 2024 season. And, you know, Elders put himself in position to at least compete for that. But yeah, for in, in terms of this year, what's most important, seeing Charlie Morton 
And I know you're like a proud papa watching tonight. You know, he's well, he's older than you are, I guess. So he's yeah, he he is the only guy on the team older than I am. So that's uh, proud younger brother is, I guess, a better way to say it. But um, yeah, he, what he did tonight, and when that curveball is working, and when he's got his fastball command, which is you know come and gone quite a few times this year. He walked seven guys in that last start against the Mets, which was really weird. Um, but when he's got that command, when he's got the curveball where he can dot it, I think you and I have talked about this before, but um, yeah, it's, it's like a different guy. And that's what we saw tonight. He was, he was, play, he was toying with, I mean, he had a couple of bats with Alonzo where Alonzo didn't come within two feet of any pitch. And, you know, Charlie's got like one of the highest spin curveballs in baseball. And I don't know how interested people are in spin rate stuff, but like, you know, his curveball is elite in terms of spin rate and he gets incredible movement, incredible depth, and he can dot it around when he's on and it's, it's impossible to stop. And and so, you know, it's, that is what Morton did tonight and what he's done in the last couple of starts is incredibly encouraging. And I would say more so than elder because of the postseason implications. Yeah. And, you know, Morton's upside when he's right has always been very high, but Seven innings tonight, two hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts, which was his season high. Um, he had a no-hitter through four with nine strikeouts, just absolutely dialed um, and making guys look silly like you mentioned. He is now from 18 straight scoreless innings um, after his really good start against the Yankees last week, too. We struck out 10. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Scott, um, our, our mutual friend and my co-host Scott, um, encouraged me to go to do a Stephen A. Smith level uh, rant on the podcast. We need it. I need it. Uh, I need it, bro. I, I don't have I don't have it in me uh, here at 10, 10.30 p.m. on a Wednesday. But no, I mean, I you know I've been a Morton backer slash supporter for quite some time. It was a lot of fun to see. Look, I'm not going to tell you this is going to be his norm because that's he is 39. We've seen him come and go. We've seen the lows be pretty low. I, I'm not like naive about this, but I I do think that. Um, he got a, a lot too much heat um, for a while from Braves fans. Um, even when he was pitching well early in the season, people just weren't buying it. Uh, and look, you look up uh, as of right now, and his ERA is like, you know, in the mid to low threes, like in the three, three range after a night, he's striking out 10 per nine. Like his numbers for the full season look really good. The last two and a half, three starts has been really good. Um, and it, it matters that the competition wasn't fantastic. And, um, you know, you want you want to sort of bottle this up. Like if they could put Charlie on ice now for the next six weeks, it'd probably be better for them than, uh, than anything else. Just kind of um, savor the flavor here. But he was excellent. And more than just the numbers um, beyond strikeouts, like he, he looked pretty dominant tonight, which is encouraging because there's been str- I mean, you mentioned that seven, the seven walk start. He was not particularly good in that game. Uh, he really battled. And I think there's, there's also an argument for that too, like to have the experience level that he has to, I think he, I think he knew he didn't have anything in that outing, which I talked about on the podcast that night or that week. And there is a value to that, to be like, to be a guy that can get through an outing when you don't have anything. But tonight when he has it, that combination is just kind of uh it's pretty impressive. So he's clearly that still, he's still the third guy. He's not on the level of, of freedom strider at this point in time. But I, I think that as I've said a million times this year, um, there aren't many number three starters that are better than Charlie Morton. That's, that's kind of where I'll leave it. And we got too much stuff to talk about tonight to get into it, but the, this $20 million club option they have is going to be a thing to talk about at some point. 
Oh, it's going to be, uh, that'll be maybe offseason uh, topic for the most part. But yeah, I, and part of that is like, is he going to keep pitching because he's 39 right. years old? Like he'll, he'll have some say it's, this is the one of those uh, usually, you know, club options are uh, one way decisions. This is like the rare one. That's not because he, he might just retire. And that's kind of where we were a year ago. I wasn't sure he was going to keep pitching after last year and he's 39 years old. So yeah. But yeah, in the meantime, I agree with you hundred percent. He's going to pitch in the playoffs barring injury and uh, keeping an eye on him. And, uh, maybe, you know, they're giving guys extra rest. We've seen that, you know, extra day here, extra day there. That's probably pretty smart for a guy like Morton. So uh, good to see that. And then the offense broke up in the sixth inning tonight. Um, good to see Vaughn Grissom with a big two-run triple. It was scored. That was funny. Uh, if anybody <laughs> didn't see that play, uh, I, our, our mutual pal Chris Willis um, pokes fun at the ruling of that being a triple, but it was ruled a triple. So you can't make Grissom. you can't make an error in today's game. It's impossible. <laughs> and then Ozuna again, also by the way, uh, homered again. Uh, like, like we talked about earlier, he's been out of his mind. And a nice series win. Look, the Mets. Um, Scott and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday. The Mets had shown a little small bit of life um, before the series, um, and th- they kind of don't have much still now uh that was kind of satisfying as i'm sure brace fans uh, like i do do not like the mets uh steven i don't know if you've seen this by now uh, do you happen to know I'm, I'm looking at it right now do you happen to know how many games back the new york mets are in the division as of august 23rd uh well at one point i know they were like 24 25 but then they they swept they, did. they, they swept were, they the cardinals yeah they, so they were gonna... they were winning last week <laughs> yeah but the Braves just won two out of three. I'll say, I'll guess like 21, 22. It is 24. 24. Like and uh, they are uh, perhaps a crazier stat than that. They are a half game ahead of the Nationals. That's the crazy one right there. Yeah. So same number of losses as the Nationals. Same number of losses as the Nats. Um, they do have a much better run differential, but uh, who cares at this point in time? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the New York Metropolitans, everybody. You know what um, I was thinking. You know what I was thinking, Brad. We need a we need a term for when you win and everybody in your division loses, like happened tonight. Like I I don't know if we have a we have a term for everything. I I need a term for when you win when you win and every all the other four teams in your division lose. Yeah, I need a term for that. So if our listeners, somebody wants to tweet at me, I need some suggestions for when that happens. What do we call it? I think you are far more popular with Braves fans than I am at this point. So uh, I think you you're the more dude. You're the Morton whisperer. You know, uh, you're, you're you're the Morton whisperer. So it's, it is very funny. It's not to be with, with Hawks stuff too. As I cover the Hawks, people don't know that. Um, there's always a guy. It seems like every year that I just become the the purveyor of that particular gentleman. <laughs> and I guess with the Braves, it's Charlie, it's Charlie Morton, uh, which is fine. Um, but it, it was, was Will, it was, uh, Will Smith. It, it was Will reason. Smith. It yeah. was, it was Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi. Um, there's yeah. always a guy apparently that I just, um, <laughs> am responsible for. I guess it's Morton right now. So hopefully Charlie will hold up his end of the bargain, end of the bargain, because as mentioned before, he's the only guy older, older than I am on the roster. Um, before we look ahead briefly to what's to come, and uh, we'll save we'll save most of that, uh, I wanted to highlight what you actually wrote a piece uh, earlier this week for Battery Power. We should at least briefly discuss, and it's not a bad problem. In fact, it's not like a problem at all. It's just more of a conundrum, or there's some decisions to make. And I'll let you talk about it as much as you want to because we shouldn't spoil the entire thing. But basically, the Braves have too many good relief options. It's kind of the thing. Um, it's kind of the the premise, and uh, I will throw it to you from there. Yeah, at the end of the piece, I called it first world problems for first place teams because that's kind of what it is. It's, you know, the Braves, I don't know if people know this, people who follow the team really closely know this, but it's, you know, the casual fans might not know this, but the Braves have a guy like Dylan Lee, who's in AAA, who's essentially ready to go. 
and can pitch in the majors at any point is a really, really good reliever. And they just don't have a spot for him at the moment. And that's why he's still in AAA because they don't have – none of their relievers have options. Chris and I have touched on this a bunch of times this year about how kind of rigid the, the roster is in terms of being able to move guys up and down. And Dylan Lee is down in AAA just kind of waiting for a spot. And it's not just Dylan Lee. You know, Jesse Chavez is making a rehab – or he's pitching up a mound. He's about to make a rehab start. He, You know, he's going to be in the same boat at some point. Uh, Nick Anderson, uh, his, his DL, you know, his 60 day IL stint was always considered more precautionary than necessary. So I I think the general feeling is once he's eligible to come back, he's going to be in the same boat. Um, you know, the Braves just have, and the Braves have eight relievers in the bullpen now. So that's 11 guys that the Braves have that are all at some level quality, right? Like not, they're not all great. And I thought you made a great point on the main show with Scott, you know, the best way to view a bullpen is how your number eight guy stacks up with other teams' number eight guys. Like, you know, people compare Kirby Yates to Rossiel Iglesias, but that's not fair. Like, you need to compare Kirby Yates to what's the what's the sixth or seventh best reliever on most teams? And Kirby Yates is probably better than that guy, right? So, like, yep. and that's where the Braves are. Where, like, they probably have 11 guys who are better than the top six guys on most teams. And because they have so little roster flexibility the reason i wrote the piece was it's a fascinating look at what they how they handle september because remember in september you only get one additional roster spot you used to used to be able to call up as many guys as you want but uh the marlins and the pirates pretty much put an end to that and so now you can only call up one additional roster spot for on the pitching side at least and so what did the braves do and that was kind of the the point of the piece is what you know it, it wasn't really answering the question. It was really more asking the question. And I'm fascinated to see because it's going to give us a glimpse into what they're thinking for October. Um, you know, October is another point that's interesting because, you know, the Braves first series is almost certainly going to be the NLDS. Like we were just talking about, there's extra days, extra off days built into the NLDS, which means theoretically you could only maybe only have to carry three starters, and I think that would be an advantage for the Braves, not necessarily because of the three starters, which is what everybody else was talking about. I think it might be more of an advantage for the Braves because that means they could potentially carry 10 relievers. And their 10 relievers are better than anybody else's 10 relievers. So, you know, the whole the whole bullpen, how the bullpen looks over September and October is just a, a fascinating thing that I was interested in. And um, yeah, go read the piece, but and you let me know what you think because it, it really is kind of an open-ended thing because I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they know what they're going to do. I, I don't think they expected to be in this spot. A lot of times it takes care of itself with injuries, but when you have this many guys coming back um, and, and, and so many quality guys already in the bullpen, um, it's going to be very interesting what they do. Yeah, and it's kind of funny to think about the fact that they, they may not know, but they probably don't. And I think Alex um, smartly – likes to keep his options open. Um, that's one of the things with Chirinos. That's the topic that we won't, we won't get into now because we talked about it on Sunday and all that stuff too. But that is the reason in my mind, and I, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's in my mind, the, the the main reason they are holding on to Chirinos and why he was not DFA'd or cut loose already is that he could be cheap for next year and really useful in a next year realm. And that's obviously not like sexy to think about in August of a team um, that's trying to win the world series. But that is one of the reasons why he is still on the roster right now is because he could be, he's, he, he could be cost controlled and useful and depth for next year. That's 
it's like Alex has this chessboard with like a million moves on it. And I think he always wants to keep them all open, which is, I think, a smart thing, generally speaking. Yeah. And they're, you know, the only recourse they've had most of the year is, is to IL guys when they need, when they need a fresh arm because none of their guys have options. They can't send guys down. And like you said, DFAing a guy and getting rid, permanently rid of an option is a very risky move, um, especially on the pitching side where injuries just pop up out of nowhere. So because of that, their, their number one move all year has been just, you know, the strained, pulled eyebrow or little toe or whatever, you know, whatever guy needs to have pulled to be on the IL, that's kind of what they use. And, and that's kind of what I'm interested to see if, if they do more of that, you know, if they want to give Colin McHugh a blow, you know, to get Dylan Lee up, if they want to, you know, if they want to get Chavez up and pitching in some games before October, you know, does, does Kirby catch a, a 15 day mini vacation? Um, same thing with Nick Anderson, you know, he hasn't pitched since, july so if they want to if they want him to pitch innings in october then they need him to pitch some innings in september well to get him up to do that you have to make a roster move and, and they don't have any flexibility so like yeah, yeah who stays who goes that whole you know it's the whole the whole thing is was interesting to me which is why i wrote the piece but yeah the braves have it's like you said at the top though it's a good problem they have so many good arms they have the deepest bullpen in baseball without a doubt and you know, it's a it's first world problems for sure, but it is it's still interesting to look at. It absolutely is. Um, before we get out of here, we should at least, um, in my mind, the biggest thing that happens tomorrow, or as people listen to this today on on Thursday, the twenty fourth, is that Kyle Wright is going to start his rehab stint as, as far as like in game action on Thursday in Rome. He's been facing live hitters down in Northport. He's been out, of course, since early May. Um, you know, we won't know how he's going to look until. That actually happens so we haven't seen him but that's obviously a, a one to circle especially because the Braves are off on Thursday so uh I, I, I think a pretty decent amount of attention is gonna be paid to Rome in comparison to a normal day in Rome yeah and that's why you're covering tonight is because our yeah. fearless leader Chris Willis is actually going to Rome I think that's right I think he's going to Rome to actually yeah try to talk Chris, to Chris was at-, at the game tonight in Atlanta and uh obviously the game went till 10 o'clock so and Chris doesn't live that close to the stadium so he's uh we're doing this tonight and then yeah Chris is gonna literally hopefully go talk to talk to Kyle on Thursday so that's uh yeah that's the uh the skinny there but I, I wish I could go I'm, I'm sure there'll be a, a, a larger than average media contingent up in Rome especially because again it's an off day for the Braves and this is the Bryce Elder question, right? Like this is kind of this is going to be the storyline in September is how good does Kyle Wright look versus how does Bryce Elder look? And it's probably not going to matter for the the division series, although they could still use four starters if they wanted to. But and they, they could get by with three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if I wouldn't be stunned if they did it honestly just not to have to pitch a guy because I think I think even with the off days I think you would have to bring Strider back on short rest for game five. I think I looked at that correctly. So I, yes. I could still see teams using four starters. Um, but who that fourth guy is, is going to be a big question. And how good Kyle Wright looks and how quickly he can kind of ascend through the minors is going to play a huge role in that. And obviously how well Bryce Elder pitches in, in August and September is going to play the other you know, the kind of the other half of that coin. So that's going to be the big storyline. If Wright could come back, I mean, that would just be so huge. It would, uh, you can't even to get a guy like that. I'm not going to say the chip carry line about making a trade, but you <laughs> know, just getting it. a guy of, of that value this late in the season, um, it would be amazing. I, I would, I would caution people, you know, 
Chris and I talked about this on our show, but the runway is so short for Kyle to actually pretty much everything has to go perfect for him. He can't have a single setback at any point in any of these rehab starts. Yep. If he any sort of setback at all, and he's kind of done. And we're just so late in the season that there's just not enough time. So I would still caution people, you know, you can be cautiously optimistic, I guess. But yeah, it would be huge if he could get back. That would, that would, I mean, the Braves are already the favorite to win the World Series, but that would certainly help. Yeah. And, you know, we'll save a lot of this for a month plus from now, but um, that fourth spot could also be an amalgamation. Like this is the same team that started Dylan Lee in a World Series game, famously. So um, it could be, it could be a Bryce Elder, Kyle Wright piggyback. You know what I mean? It could be something like that. Like, it's not like they're locked in anything. And that is the one thing about the modern, the way the game is played now is that you don't have to have Kyle Wright ready to throw, you know, seven innings. He could, he can go out there and throw four. And that's kind of all you're going to get from most stars anyway, in a playoff series. So Elder, same thing. So, uh, that's a good problem again, to have another guy who was honestly quite good last year, like all-star level last year. Would expect, would expect that, but certainly, a high ceiling option if he can be on track, but it's it's a good point you're making that uh, nothing is assured when he's making his first rehab stint, uh, his first rehab appearance on August 24th. That is cutting it close to be sure. Um, and again, we'll hold off on a full preview of the weekend, but uh, they do play in San Francisco. They'll be flying there tomorrow, uh, Thursday. A um, couple of late games. I uh, made fun of Scott about that on Sunday, but the first one is Friday it is a 10:15 Eastern time game. Uh, Steven, find the coffee maker, do all that fun stuff. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, a West Coast trip is, I, I I honestly am a sicko and I really enjoy them. I understand that a lot of people don't because they're just so late at night. Um, there's a reason why they call, they call it the Scott, the, the Scott Coleman special, but I uh, I don't sleep very much. So I, I appreciate these games. Yeah, I got addicted to these things during the rebuild because I would always, because I follow all the games on Twitter. And just like only the diehards and like the real sickos are up at like oh, yeah. 1130 at night watching, you know, and this was like 2017. So the Braves are probably losing, you know, 10 to one and uh, only the real sickos are, are still up watching. And I, I really got to, I I'm with you though. I love, I I'll stay up and watch every single one of these games. It, I don't, it, you know, it doesn't matter if it's one in the morning, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be watching. So. Yeah. Dial it in. Um, that's all I have. And uh, feel free to, start something else something else to discuss if you'd like to Stephen. but uh i have uh i guess filled in uh reasonably enough on this wednesday evening and uh we'll have hopefully more content later this week i know scott and i are planning to rev it up after yet another night game uh sunday night baseball once again braves giants another another late podcast on sunday but uh steven if nothing else where can folks find all of your tremendous work and we already plugged the uh, pitching stuff but uh you're on you're still on twitter slash x where can folks find you <laughs> I'm never calling an X. I can tell you that. I, I I don't call it that. And then I realize like when I'm hosting, I feel like I have to say like what I said. I usually do. I, I usually go Twitter slash X these days. Like I kind of laugh about it, but it is a weird thing to say. It's just bizarre. Yeah. It's as long as the website is still, uh, I guess, alive, then I'm uh, B underscore outliers at Twitter. Uh, but yeah, come to the site. If you don't know, we have a whole, I think we have one of the biggest blogs in, in all of the sport. Um, and so we do written content. Um, Chris runs the whole site. We have previews, we have post game, we have, obviously we have, you know, featured pieces. We have the podcast network, which you're listening to now that has three shows on it. Brad is typically on the main show with, with Scott on Sundays, me and Chris do this show during the week. And then Scott or, um, Sean does our, our bite-sized stuff with a daily hammer. So yeah, come check it all out. 
obviously we are motoring very quickly towards the postseason. I can't believe we're almost, I mean, I think we've passed the the quarter pole of the season. So we've yep. only got a little over a month to go and then it's postseason baseball. So if you're not subscribed, if you're not part of the network or, you know, part of the site, then come check us out and we appreciate it as always. Thank you, Stephen, for doing this late in the evening on a Wednesday and allowing me, allow me to fill in. I echo all of what he just said. Please subscribe to the podcast network anywhere you get your podcasts. Even do it twice, maybe even do it three times. Tell a friend about the show as well. Read the site, batterypower.com, and we'll see everybody next time. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.